This is The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 220. We break your company down into four key functions. What we say is that your business, my business, a chiropractor, a Whole Foods grocery store, a bolt manufacturer, there are only four things that go on in a business. You've got to get the business. So those are sales and marketing processes. Okay. You've got to do the business. So doing the business is basically delivering on those promises that you made to your prospects, client fulfillment, customer support. Okay. You've got to run the business. These are all your back office operational things like admin, finance, hiring, you know, backing up your computers, invoicing, making bank deposits, all that stuff. And then the fourth, the critical one, strategy and management, what we call guiding the business from where you are today to where you want to get to. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, and thanks for being here. I'm your host, Meg Rinchler, executive and mentor coach. And we have a show today that's going to make you think systems. Now, before you run away thinking, I don't need to know about systems, the reality is, We all need to know about systems. And the more we systemize, the more freedom we have to be able to get to where we want to get. So when we think about business building, often we think about our funnels and our marketing and the content we create. And we talk about all those things here on the show. But my guest today is going to be sharing with us the foundation of creating the vision, the organization, and the processes that make our business work. Michael Mills is one of the founders and managing directors of Business Design Corporation. Now, for those of you who are familiar with Michael Gerber and the E- Myth series of books, which were recommended to me eons ago as a brand new business owner and continue to just thrive. Mike, our guest, Michael Mills, was a master certified e myth consultant for many, many years, delivering Michael Gerber's e myth mastery program to hundreds of entrepreneurs. And then he decided, and he'll share that in his interview to focus specifically on creating a tool and a process to make it really easy to systemize our businesses. Michael's career spans 35 years. He started off as a sales manager in his father's company. He'll talk to us about that as well. And then he owned his own business company, Consulting on Business Development, and he shares a really critical story about that in his interview. And then he sold that company and he is very experienced in helping entrepreneurs build businesses that flow, that make sense by paying attention to these 
five simple steps. And we talk about the fact that they're simple, but not necessarily easy. Michael has written a book on how to systemize your business. He's a frequent speaker at conferences around the United States and and Canada, working with hundreds of entrepreneurs to create these processes that he talked about. Now, Michael wanted me to share with you that he's been able to take advantage of systemizing his own business, so much so that in 2004, he and his wife and his son were able to take 14 months off to travel around the world, create this experience of a lifetime, and listen for it, while he was away, his business ran smoothly and profitably because he had systems in place. Now, while we're talking in this interview, I consistently bring him back to a focus also of all of you who are solopreneurs to help you understand that it doesn't matter if you have, you're the only person or you have 50 people in your business, systems matter. And as a matter of fact, Michael in his interview uses a kid with a lawnmower service as an example of somebody who still needs systems in his business. This is such great information. I was recently in a group with Michael where he shared just like three minutes of this information with the group of entrepreneurs and they were eating it up like it was manna from the heavens. So definitely get ready to think about your business differently and allow Michael to share his expertise with you. Let's go ahead and go to my interview with Michael Mills. Michael, welcome to the Star Coach Show. It is great to spend time with you today. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me, Meg. I'm really excited to be here. Well, you do some important work, and we're going to be talking about One of the things that you try to help business owners understand, which is systemization, which is super important, and we're going to get there and we're going to talk about what the heck that means in just a minute. But let's start with what's, you know, sort of the journey that you've taken to do the work that you do now and you're learning along the way. Just a small little question to start with. Great question. Well, first of all, let me say that um, I graduated with an a a philosophy and arts major in college, right? What am I going to do with that? And I went to work for my father. My father had a small power tool and fastener company, and I didn't like it. And in 1983, I started a software company. And this was back in the days when, just to date myself, a five megabyte hard drive, if you know what five megabytes is, that was $5,000 for five megabytes. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So it was a a long time ago, basically (laughs) what I'm saying. But so I had this business where I was computerizing art galleries and, and, you know, did some really famous work. I computerized Andy Warhol's studio. I took my business from Toronto to New York City. But what I found was that it was really hard to get my people to do what I needed them to do. I always had this feeling like if I wanted it done right, I had to do it. Which is not a sustainable business model. No, no, it isn't. (laughs) And the other part of it was that I was young, right? I was single. I had no responsibilities. I was living in New York City. I was having the time of my life. And I was working 
you know, 20 hours a day, seven days a week. And I thought I was invincible. I thought I was going to be the next Bill Gates. I thought I was going to retire at 30 and drive around in a Ferrari. It didn't turn out that way. Didn't turn out that way? (laughs) No. I ended up selling the business for not as much money as I was expecting to get for it. In fact, my whole experience of owning a business had not been much fun. It, It had been really, really hard work. And I mean, who would have wanted my business? I was working 20 hours a day, seven days a week. Who's going to want that business, right? Yeah, you dangle that as, oh, and you could do this yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. No, sorry, sorry, not worth it. And But I did sell the business and I took some time to reflect and I stumbled into this. I was doing some uh, sales consulting and some management consulting. And I, I read this book called The E-Myth, Why Most Businesses Don't Work and What to Do About It by Michael Gerber. And I went, wow, you know, this... It had a huge message for me. And I thought, this is my story. Almost everybody who reads that book, right? They, they go, this is me. How does he know? He's, he's like sitting on my shoulders watching me. And right at that time, Michael started a, this was in 1993. And so I had my business for nine years, I think, before I sold it. And then I dabbled around for a year. But then I read this book and Michael started a consulting course. It was called the Master Certified Emith Consultants. And I became one of his, I basically took the first course in the United States and I delivered Michael Gerber's Emith Mastery Consultant as a consultant for almost 17 years. It was a long, wow, long time. that was a long run. Yeah, it was great. But what we found was that the program, while valuable, was very theoretical and our clients would, would actually go through this, this course and it would take three or four years. It would cost eighteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. At the end of it, they wouldn't have their processes created. And we thought, this is sort of crazy. The whole foundation of Emith thinking is get your processes in place. So we stepped back and looked at that and, and decided to write a software application for helping small business owners implement processes in their business. And so we basically focused on business process implementation. So what you, you brought your old life into what you are currently, and you kind of melded all that experience, which I think is so key for people who go into coaching often. It's, you know, I have this expertise. I have all these different things. How do I how do I create the kind of business that I want moving forward? I'd love that you brought your, your skill set that you originally were working with and, and blended it with what you would learn through working with Michael Gerber. Yeah. As well as that experience of being completely overwhelmed at work and not being able to hire employees, not being able to get them to what they do. I actually, I don't position myself much as a coach anymore or a Mm -hmm. consultant. Meg, we, I can't help but deliver it because I've, you know, we've been doing this now for 23 years, 25 years. So whenever a client is working with us, we do deliver some of that coaching, consulting content, but I really position myself very tactically, very mm-hmm. get it done. Let's, let's get processes implemented in your business. This is our focus, business systemization. I'm not here to try to teach you how to sell or how to teach right. you to do cash, cash flow or any of those right. things. Now, we do have a lot of processes to help people do that, but mostly I just want to help you get your processes implemented. So good. And, we'll, and, and towards the end of the interview, Michael will tell us more about what his company does and how you can connect with him. But over this journey that he's talked about, there's some key things about the importance of systemization, and you're going to help us understand five steps that we need to consider 
and put those processes in place to systemize our business. So any, any setup to that that you want to go into before we dive into step number one? Sure. Well, first of all, there, 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 there are five simple steps. It, there's, there's, this is not rocket science. It is super, super simple. It's not easy. Easy. But it's, but it's simple. simple. It's, it's really, really simple. And so we were delivering mastery, e-myth mastery for years and years and years. And we just started to like synthesize it down and break literally thousands and thousands of pages and modules from the e-myth mastery program into just five simple steps. So everything that, that you're going to hear from me is I sort of owe it all to Michael Gerber and the E-Myth. This is, we synthesized all this stuff down and, and, and just tried to make it super simple. So that's okay. really so the, the lead up to it. And I think that that's important. Many things that we learn are simple, but not necessarily easy because they still involve the time and the effort and the energy in to make the output strong. So with that being said, the first step is what? Well, the first step I would say is vision, which isn't really even systemization at all. But what <laughs> We're we say- We're going to start our system with right. something that's not systemization, right. but that's okay. But it's, but it's really, really important. And um, in fact, when people resist this, I say, okay, no problem. Let's just jump right past that. But if you don't know where you're going, how are you ever going to get there? That right? is a really good question. So this is really foundational. Like if you're going to okay. build your systems onto something, let's get some clarity about what we're, what we're building them for, huh? Right. That's a great word to use, Meg, foundational, because what we don't want to have, and this is what happens with most people, they read the e-myth, or there are tons of books that talk about the importance and value of systems. Most people, they read these books and they go, oh, I got to get all my systems written. And they start they just start writing willy-nilly. They, they have no plan. So this five-step plan, it really is foundational. If you have a vision, and, and the reason that we request that they create a vision is because it's in step number two, we're going to help have them create their org chart, their organizational structure. An organizational chart, it's actually built into our software. And we want them to build the organizational chart of their future business. Because what ends up happening, especially... Um, businesses who have been around for a few years, their future is usually just bigger than what they are. So they might have more people, they might have a few more positions, as they currently are, they might have one person filling two or three positions, but the, the org chart can be created for that future business. And so what we really like to do is have people think about the vision, the, the future of their business. And then in step number two. Before we move will, on to step, well, okay. while we're thinking about step number two, I want all of you who might be thinking, what? Org chart? It's me, myself, and I. I encourage you to be thinking about that word future. So you've heard me say again and again, and as a matter of fact, Michael, to, with full transparency, we've talked, my audience and I have talked about the fact that, that my big message for 2020 is that people build businesses, not a person. So I've been working on looking at what would a team look like and what, so all of you at some point, you know, if you're building a business, people build a business. So you might not have an org chart right now, but I guarantee you, you've got roles that you complete and just 
let's pretend you're multiple personality disorder right now. You've got all these different, different things. So I want, just wanted to set that piece in place, Michael, as, as we think about step number two. Well, to, well, step number two is the org chart, but the roles, that's a great way to position it because when you're a solopreneur in your business, if there's no intention to grow, you really don't need processes, right? Because it's you, you're not going anywhere. You know how to do the things and, until you get to be 60 or 65 and you can't remember how to do things. But if hopefully by then you've made a, a lot of money and you're ready to retire, but if you're intending to grow, even add one or two positions, those are roles. And studies show that when you teach someone what to do by what we call the tribal method of teaching, which is talking, we are not tribes anymore. We are a community of OCD, ADD, attention disorder people. Studies show that right now when you teach someone what to do, they retain 18%, less than 20% of what you're telling them. I would have guessed less than that. So I'm impressed with 18, but that's not getting us across the finish line. No. And that's why you have to train them over again and over again and over again, five, six, seven, 10 times. It's maddening. But if you have a process... And what we say is that if it's not written down, you don't own it. So if you don't know how to do it, if it's not written down, you, you have nothing to train anybody. You, you, there's no, we've got to take the variations out of things. Let's say you hire two assistants and you have one assistant here and one assistant here, and they're both doing it different ways. There's variation in what they're doing. And if there's variation in what they're doing, you can't improve because you don't really know how to improve. You don't really know what they're doing. There's no standard. There's no baseline for how to to actually say how well they're doing. So if I take my best assistant and I say, okay, let's write down how you do what you do and then create a baseline from that and say, these are the the expectations I have if you're doing it this way. Now I'm gonna have all of my assistants do it this way. Now I have a standard, I've taken the variable away. And the, the only thing I would add to that, Meg, is that that sounds sort of bureaucratic and micromanaging, but it's not because it's all about innovation and getting better. And, and with your people, you ask them to contribute to making the process better. So there's all sorts of input. Well, um, and I think that people appreciate that. So one of the things that, that I hear when I'm working with my executive coaching clients is, you know, we weren't even trained on this or they're, you know, they just expect us to just kind of get to the standard without knowing how we're supposed to get there. So I think it's a gift. I, you know, I don't think it sounds bureaucratic. Now that's my perspective. And we all know that my perspective is, no, I'm just kidding. So that's great. So we want to create standard operating procedures. Right. And so remember, you think about these things too, but a lot of the executives that get into business, they just rolled into this and and, and they just come to work every day and they come to work every day and nobody ever taught them how to manage. Nobody ever told them how to run a company. You go to Harvard Business School, they're not going to tell you how to run a company. They're going to give you great business advice, but they're not going to tell you how to be an entrepreneur, how to manage. Mm -hmm. Management is key. One of the things Michael says, Michael Gerber says, is that it's the entrepreneurial myth. I like to think of it as the managerial myth because most entrepreneurs, they've got great ideas and they become technicians. They do it all. They're hopeless at managing people to get it done. They're hopeless at delegating the work effort. And that's what we need to do. We need to teach people that. Okay, so step number one, right? Vision. Vision. 
Step number two, create your organizational structure of that future vision. So create the role. So you've got this graphic representation of that future company. Really, really valuable. Can I speak very briefly to the importance and value of an org chart? Of course. Because most people, they, their consultant tells them, you got to create an org chart. And they do this exercise and they go, wow, this is cool. And then the, it's a PowerPoint presentation and it's yeah, a static document <laughs> right, on the shelf or somewhere in their computer and they don't use it. Well, an org chart, it can tell you who to hire next. If you're doing any strategic planning at all, you can say, well, who should we hire next? Well, you look at your org chart because that's your future vision. Should we hire a salesperson, a lead generator, an office assistant, a virtual representative? Who are we going to hire next? Well, your org chart will tell you that. Your org chart can also tell you what that person should be doing because in Touchstone, when you click on a role, and we'll talk a little bit about this, all of the processes for that role show up. So I'm going to learn how to train that person. I know what expectations to have of that person when they get in that role. I know how to train them. I everything's laid out for me. I even know how long it's going to take me and how much it's going to cost me to train them. And my org chart tells me this because it's this fluid dynamic tool that's going to help me manage and grow my business. And I have a quick story to tell about how an org chart actually came into my play because stories are great. Stories are awesome. So I had a situation where people download our ebook on the internet, how to systematize your business. And then our process was you follow up with them. We had a, a lot of, of automated processes where, you know, emails that go out and say, hey, Meg, did you get the ebook and right. such. But so, I'm, so I'm starting just to- very similar to what I'm sure many of you do to, to nurture and keep up with your list, particularly when they buy something from you. So yeah. go ahead. But I'm sort of an old-fashioned sales guy, so I like to talk to people. So we had a step in our process where the, our, our team would actually follow up with you if you downloaded the ebook and said, hey, did you like it? And by the way, we, can, can we schedule an appointment to meet with our founder because he'd like to find out what your issues are? Well, those appointments weren't happening. And what I did is I, I, I went into our Touchstone application and I said, don't we have a process for this? Because remember what I said is if, if I don't have a process for it, it, then it doesn't happen. Well, don't we have a process? And I said, yes, we do. And I said, well, who's supposed to do it? And it tells me the salesperson is supposed to do it. So I walked down to my sales team and I don't blame them. There's no energy around this. We have a right. conversation. I come down and I say, you know, hey, Jeff, you know, how come the appointments aren't happening? And he looks at me and goes, Mike, if you want me to, to set up these appointments, I got to work 24-7 because we have clients in the UK, India, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, Italy, all over the United States, Canada. I mean, I can't do it. They're open at hours when I'm asleep. And I sort of had the proverbial palm to my head and went, oh, duh. So we, we, we <laughs> looked at- It was good the, in theory. <laughs> good in theory, right. <laughs> So I looked at the org chart and I said, is there anybody else in the organization that could do this? Well, everybody was based in the US. So no, they were all in California and they were all doing other things. They weren't involved in sales. So I said, okay. And strategically, I worked together with sales and we said, what should we do about this? So we created a new position called the appointment center. And we made that appointment center report to the sales and marketing manager. So we put a new box on the org chart and we just dragged processes over from the sales team and put it on that box. And I hired someone in, in the Philippines who was willing to work crazy hours. So she would actually work hours where people were, were 
at work in New Zealand and other hours where people were at work in the UK and other hours where people were at work in, in the United States and Canada. So we resolved the issue by looking at the org chart. You okay, know, and that's cool. awesome. But I do have a question about that. You were still the person that they needed to meet with. So were you then up 24 hours a day to meet no, no, with these people? She would, set, she would set appointments on my time. I'm, I'm a little bit selfish with my time. I basically, I don't like to meet before 9 a.m. Pacific time. And I don't like working after 4 p.m. Pacific time. So she would create those appointments. So if someone was in India or Africa, they'd have to meet with me at like 9 p.m. their time. We had a client in Vietnam, for example, and they were meeting with me at 11 p.m. their time. So well, you're lucky that they wanted to meet with you, I guess. <laughs> that right. was a priority for them. Right. Okay. Right. All right. So um, I was just curious about that because I was like, well, the, the piece that's missing here, Michael, <laughs> is that you're still the person that they need to meet with. So well, those are great stories to kind of show the importance of how an org chart will help you see where, where the gaps are. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a, a tool that can be used in the business. It should not be filed away in your drawer or go under a shelf. It's, it's really part of your, it's a strategic growth tool. Strategic growth tool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Anything else we need to understand about org charts before we go into the next nope. piece? Let's go to the next step. The next step is what I like to call process identification. So what we say, so think of this as create, like creating a table of contents for your playbook for your entire company. And what we do is we break your company down into four key functions. What we say is that your business, my business, a chiropractor, a Whole Foods grocery store, a bolt manufacturer, there are only four things that go on in a business. You've got to get the business. So those are sales and marketing processes. Okay. You've got to do the business. So doing the business is basically delivering on those promises that you made to your prospects, client fulfillment, customer support. Okay. You've got to run the business. These are all your back office operational things like admin, finance, hiring, you know, backing up your computers, invoicing, making bank deposits, all that stuff. And then the fourth, the critical one, strategy and management, what we call guiding the business from where you are today to where you want to get to. So instead of just thinking of one big, huge list, which can drive people mad and it's very hard, we we want to compartmentalize your thinking. So when we're working with a client, we will usually start with sales and I'll say, okay, Meg, so how do you get new business? And you might say, well, I do podcasts. I do trade shows, I advertise on Google, and I get referrals. Well, you just gave me four processes there, right? And now I'm not writing down, how do you do podcasts? That comes later. All I'm trying to do at this point is is identify your processes. And then I say to you, okay, so that's great. So someone comes up to you at a trade show where you get a referral, then what do you do? And you go, well, I make a qualification call to see if they would be good for my podcast. And, and then I do this and then I do that. So what we're doing is we move through those four key functions, just trying to identify all of the processes in your business. Okay. So I so want to pause right here for just a second. So once again, for you listening who are thinking, wow, this is kind of like bigger than I am. And this is these concepts. I'm not to these concepts. I'm going to beg to differ. Even if you're a solo <laughs> entrepreneur or a solopreneur, you I just encourage you to think through the lens that Michael's giving on each piece of this because basically you're the one that's doing all of these. But think about the clarity that you can get when you break into those four 
functions, those four things, that, those four pieces of your business. And yes, you're playing a role in each one of those, but this isn't bigger than your business. This is your business. So I just wanted to, to cement that in. Go ahead. You know, even someone who cuts lawns, like, like let's say you're, you're 16 year old and you're starting a lawnmower business, right? Well, sales and marketing. When you're cutting someone else's lawn, maybe what you do is you go around and you hang door tags on all of their, that's a process, a door tag process. And in fact, as you start getting a little better, you might hire your little sister for eight bucks an hour or something, go hang door tags. And it's a little part-time job, but you give her a process for how to do it. And then, you know, you cut the lawns and then you, well, how do you cut the lawns? Well, first of all, you go around the trees and then, you know, you weed whack the sidewalks and then you go, that's a process. So that the second one is doing the process. The first one is getting the business. So we have these processes, even in a, a simple business like cutting lawns, right? So good. So good. Okay. So what else do we need to know about the process of the process? Or I forgot what you called it. Process identification. So, process so, identification. So the, it's really just think about all of those processes in each of the four key functions. Don't worry about trying to get them all. You're never going to get them all. You might get 60%, 70%. But if you start thinking about it, and literally I've had people get, you know, go up in a whiteboard and just take the whiteboard and put it up into four sections, getting, doing, running, guiding. And you can change those names if you like, but getting, doing, running, guiding, and just listing all the things we do in each of those four key functions, it really helps to compartmentalize your thinking. And then as you actually start doing stuff, pay attention to what you're doing with the intention of, of being conscious of what I'm doing. So, oh, I'm hanging door hangers. That's a sales process. I'm going to call that the door hanger process, right? Mm -hmm. so almost, almost everything I do, Meg, I say to myself, you know what? I don't want to be doing this forever. I want someone else to be doing this. So what is it that I do? And when I go through and do it, I literally take pen to paper and, and just jot down little notes really quickly. And I create a little process. And then the next time I do it, I sort of watch myself. Am I doing it that way? And how well am I doing it? What are the results I get from doing it that way? And I try to follow that way over and over again so that I can get, take the variations out of it and get expectations. But so this third step process identification, it's just about listing your processes. Don't worry about writing them yet. Just identify them. Okay? Perfect. All right. So now we're, we're getting this list of processes. They're in these four categories. Uh, we're realizing how awesome we are that we're doing all these things. And what's the next step? Okay. So you got vision, you got org chart. We've got all of our processes. Now what we're doing, I like to call it linking, linking. So what we're going to do is we're going to take all of those processes that we just identified and we're going to link them to boxes on the org chart. So my sales guys do this process, this process, this process. My bookkeeper does this process, this process, this process. And these might be part-time people. You know, this doesn't. And if Michael Mills is a solopreneur, there is no box on my org chart that says Michael Mills. There is a box that says salesperson, lead generator, customer support, um, admin. And Michael's in all four of those boxes. Right. And my goal is to get out of those boxes and leave behind all of the processes that I will use to train someone who I will hire to get into that box. Because so if, you, if you don't have those processes in the box, you hire someone, 
you just blah, 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 what, what you want them to do. And, and they're just like overwhelmed. And then they just make it all up. Right. And, right. and then you get upset that they didn't understand how to do it. And then you fire them and you're out of the box, in the box, out of the box, in the box. I mean, it's crazy making. It doesn't have to be that way. Just it's, and again, this is not rocket science. It's so simple. So link all of those processes to boxes. Look at what you've now got. Even if it was like administration person at the top with all of their processes, you have a training system. Even if you had nothing written down, at least you've got a guide on what you've got to train them. You've basically got the table of contents for a position-specific operating manual for someone that you're going to hire in that position. Absolutely clear on what you want to do. I would bet that 80% of the people who go, who are basically growing their business, they go, I got to hire someone to help me. But they don't know who to hire and they don't know what that person's supposed to do. They just, they just, just feel I'm, overwhelmed and right, want help. Yeah. Right, right. So think of how, how powerful it is when you say, okay, I do all these things. I don't want to do these things. I'm going to give these things to a position called the administrator or whoever you want it to right, be. You could have right. crazy names. So linking is step number four. And then as you get employees in the company, you link that employee to that position. So again, if you're using a software application like what we developed, when Michael Mills logs into the software, the software knows I'm the administrator and it serves up all of my processes. So I don't have to go hunting for my processes. They're all right there. Boom, 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 boom. And I will use those processes to train this person and to hold this person accountable to. So, so linking is, is step number four. So important. Okay. And, and as you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, so as I get really clear about those processes that fall in each role, I can A, like you mentioned, maybe think what are the, what are the roles that that I really would prefer not to do anymore. Right, right. So mm-hmm. then I can make some decisions about hiring. And, and the have, like you said, the process is in place to train that person so that I'm happy and they're happy and they're not feeling like they're being told to just make it up as they go along. Right. Now you said something really, really important there. It's this thing that I don't want to do. I don't like doing that. So we have this term abdication versus delegation. (laughs) Abdication versus delegation. Like I, I hate taxes. I hate dealing with, with all of like receivables and payables and all that stuff. So I don't want to do that, but I mustn't, I must not abdicate the responsibility. I could hire someone who's got, who's just a super pro bookkeeper. and say, just do it. I I don't want to know anything about it. Just go ahead and do it. That's abdicating your responsibility. And what happens there is they come back to you six months later and they go, Hey Meg, you know, we've totally cruised through your line of credit and you go, what? (laughs) You know, you had no idea because you abdicated responsibility. So what we say is delegate the responsibility. So I don't like bookkeeping, but here's what I want every month. I want a a report on my receivables, my payables. I want to age, you know, how many people owe us how much money and how long. And can you give me this report every month? And so you delegate that responsibility because you sort of understand it. You don't have to do right. it anymore, but you want to keep you, your you don't finger on give the pulse of it. Yeah, right. you, you basically control it still. Right. You're not giving away control. 
but you're just not having to do it and you're getting it done the way you want it done. So if you hire a bookkeeper and they say, I don't want to give you the report that you ask for, I would say, sorry, this is my process and this right. is how I want to see it. Right. Unless they can convince me otherwise that they've got a better report and I go, oh, oh, okay, I got it. But I can't tell you how many people, I just did a course the other day on budgeting. Nobody budgets. I'm, I'm sort of going, why aren't you doing a budget? Why aren't you <laughs> looking at your budget? Budgeting is so, it's an incredibly powerful. It just makes you feel like you're totally in control of what's going on. But so abdication, delegation, two great words. Perfect. What else do we need to know about linking to boxes before we move to the last step? That's it. Let's go, let's go to the last step, the fifth step in business systemization. So what I call that is prioritizing. Meg, if I was to, if you were to sit down right now and write out a list of your processes and walk you through, you might have 300 processes or you might have 200 processes. You might have 500 processes. And I'm going to say, okay, go ahead and write them. You're going to go, oh, no. Where where do I start? Like, ah, right? So prioritize. They're basically three. so, So step five is what I like to call prioritize, write, implement, repeat prioritize, write, implement, repeat. So let's talk about prioritizing because that's the only thing that we really need to talk about here. If you've got 500 process processes, that's completely overwhelming. But if I said to you, you've got 10 processes, you'd go, oh, I could do that. You, you could write those processes in a week, probably, or two weeks, a month. Hey, 10 processes. Think of how fantastic that would be, right? Right. So 500 processes, just completely overwhelming. 10 is easy. So prioritize. One way is to think, okay, who do I need to hire next? Back to the org chart, right? See how these things are all connected? Mm -hmm. I go to my org chart and I say, I click on the org chart for assistant and they're the 10 processes I've got to write. I, I, oh, great. I got to hire this person. Let's just write these processes. So that's one way. Who's my next hire? Let's write those 10 or 12 processes. Second thing, is there an area in your business that's not working very well? Maybe Facebook advertising or SEO or or lead generation is what I like to call that, but generating all the leads. Or maybe it's once you've got all all these leads coming in, but you can't keep up with qualifying them and converting them into long-term customers. So you can pick an area of your business. And there again, there's probably only going to be 10, 12 processes. So it could be who you're going to hire. It could be an area of your business. Or for the smaller business, a solopreneur, what are the things that you, want, you don't want to do anymore? You don't want to do the collections calls anymore. Right. Well, so uh, one of the great things that you can do is there's a, a great little process we do called time logs, where, where over a two-week period, we track what you're doing. And then you can go, I don't want to do this. 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 And then you pick those those processes and you link, you may, you, who are they linked to? Let's give them to that person or let's hire a person to do that. So you basically offload these things that you don't want to do that is like really bad value of your time. If you're doing the bookkeeping in your company, that's really a silly waste of your time. You should be doing much higher value work. You should be selling or you should be consulting or you should be converting new clients or doing something that that is your strength. You shouldn't be doing a right. you're not a bookkeeper. You could hire a bookkeeper for 12, 25, 35 dollars an hour for, you know, 8 hours a month to do your bookkeeping and free up all that time instead of it constantly weighing on you. 
And if you don't like doing it, you're avoiding it. And there's so much energy that's lost right there. It's way more time than you really think it's taking. So that's good to know. Yeah, that's a really good point uh, for all of us to think about. So, so prioritize, you just prioritize those processes. So let's say that we have a small business owner and he, he sits down and he writes up his vision. And I'm not talking about a business plan. I'm just saying, you know, what's your big, hairy, audacious goal? What is your purpose? Why are you doing this? And what are the values that you have? That, those are the three components of a vision. Really simple. It takes 15 minutes to do. Then, okay, well, this is my big, hairy, audacious goal. I want to have all these. I want to be a blah, blah, blah. Just create a, a structure. It doesn't even have to be right. Create the org chart of what you think it is because you're always going to change it. Right. Every year, you're going to revisit this and you're going to adjust. And it's really easy to adjust. And then you identify your processes and link them to those boxes. And then you say, okay, let's write some processes. Which ones? And you prioritize those processes. And writing a process, last thing I'll say is what I usually do is I think about at about a, I like to call it the 30,000 foot view. These are just broad strokes. I do this and then I do this and then I do this and I do this. Really, really simple. You want to keep it as simple as possible. Now, I hire you. And I show you my process. I start training you on the process. And you go, well, Mike, how did you get from this to that? And I go, oh, and, you know, I've been doing this for 23 years. So I made an assumption. So, oh, good point. So we adjust. We, we quickly make an edit, really simple. And now you say, got it. And maybe that's all we need to do. Or maybe, Meg, you go out and you start doing it and it's not working. And so I come back to you and I say, hey, Meg, what's going on? You know, you got the process. Are you following the process? And you say, I'm trying. I, 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 <laughs> Your process stinks, Mike. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and so we say, okay, let's focus. Let's fix the process. So I, I don't ever have to flip out and freak out at you. I don't have to go, why are you insubordinate? We have a conversation about it. You're either following the process or you're having, or the process doesn't work. So writing a process, it's really simple. You, you start super high level, keep it really simple. When you train, you might add a little more detail. And then when actually you're doing it boots on the ground, that's when you might add, an, a, a, again, a little bit more detail. So you don't have to ever worry about getting it right the first time. This is an organic, ongoing thing. It, 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 it grows and it expands and you just keep getting better and better and better. Every time you train someone, every time you hire a new person, it just keeps getting better and better and better. Scrappy at first, and then just keeps getting better and better and better. So good. So you have now walked through the five steps to systemize a business, vision. Or chart. Or chart. Process identification, linking and then prioritizing the processes that you want to write. So good. I was going to summarize them myself, but us as coaches, we know that the, per the other person has to <laughs> summarize, not us. So with that, what have we left on the table, if anything, that we need to wrap up with as we get close to the end of our time? This was so helpful, so good. You know, I think that's primarily it. I, I would say one last thing, and that is that systematizing a business, it's not a project. It's an ongoing thing. Going through those five steps and, and creating the vision, creating the org chart, identifying the processes, linking everything up, that's a project. And that, I can tell you that we've done that over and over and over again with, with businesses in somewhere between three and 10 hours. You know, it's, it's very simple. And 
with a little bit of guidance, depending on what you've done, you can do it in three or four or five hours. If you've, if you've done nothing and never thought about this, I, I can guarantee you that we can get this done in less than 10 hours. And that sets what I like to call the, the foundation of a process-dependent business. All the processes aren't written yet, but the foundation is there. And now you just do that prioritize, write, implement, repeat, and it will happen organically. It will just happen over time. It's, it's sort of magical. And Excellent. all you have to think about is like 10 or 12 processes at a time. And you, you get them done, you get them implemented, and then you go, okay, what now? And you write the next 10 processes. And then you write the next 10 processes. And if, let's say you only hire one person in a year, well, you've had to write 10 processes in a year. How easy is that, right? And think of how valuable that is. So absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about if people want to learn more about you and about what your company does, how could people find you? We have a website. Our company is called Business Design Corporation. So it's www.businessdesigncorp.com. We have a Facebook page. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, We have a Facebook group. We have tons of content on YouTube. So that's probably a great place to go. Just if you go to YouTube and, si- and search on Business Design Corporation, you'll find us there. And, and if they're interested, they can email me and I'll give them, I've got those five steps. I've sort of got a, a really, really simple five page report on how to systemize a business with these five steps written down. And, and I'm happy to share that with anybody. And if you go to our website, we go way deeper on that. You can actually get a free course, a video course on how to do it, or you can get our ebook, which is about 67 pages long on how to systemize your business. So there are all sorts of of ways of getting us, but probably our website is the best place to go. Excellent. I will have those links in the show notes for this episode at starcoachshow.com along with Michael's email address. And Michael, thank you so much for, uh, this was fun. And gave me all sorts of ideas. I'm sure that the the audience is also just probably all worn out from taking notes. Mm. Well, thank you, Meg. It's been really fun to be here and to share my thinking. And you're just a joy to, to, to have a conversation with. So thank you. Well, thanks for that. Wow, this interview is one of those interviews that just has stuck with me. I consistently now look through that this lens at my business. I'm creating standard operating procedures, looking at the different roles that I play, what I'm doing in those so that I can begin to hand those off to other people. And just in general, create the flow of business that really kind of takes it into a solid business. Now, you might think, Meg, you've been a business owner for over 30 years. Yes, and I always look for ways to improve my business, improve my flow, and build some more foundation. So thank you to Michael. If you'd like to know more about Michael Mills or what they do at Business Design Corporation, go to starcoachshow.com slash 220 to access the notes for this episode and all the links to connect with Michael. Next week, we are going to explore being retreat 
ready in your business. My guest, Tamara Golden, specializes in helping service providers like ourselves add retreats into our business as a high-end offering if we're ready for it, if that's part of our model. And I got to tell you, she walks us through looking at our business through the lens of, is this an offering that makes sense? And some of the phenomenal things that you can do if you do offer retreats. So come back next week and meet Tamara. Remember that every Wednesday morning, I go live on the Star Coach Facebook page to talk coaching with you and to answer your questions. So join us 9 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Eastern on the Star Coach Facebook page. If you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving a rate and review wherever it is that you listen. That helps other people find our show and be able to learn from the great experts that we have come on board. So this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week and we'll see you next.